It's the betting show by Not The Top 20 podcast, Ali Maxwell and George Ellick talking you through the slate of EFL fixtures this weekend and back after a week off. I think that's the first time we've ever missed a betting show in the during the season since the start of last campaign, but not a reflection on any waning interest on our part. Just uh, last week fell foul to our AGM travels in Spain and a busy schedule when we returned. But George, back with a bang this week. Would you say this is a good slate, a tricky slate, uh, a slate that excites you or intimidates you? <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm intimidated. I found it quite tough going down in League One and League Two this week, but I think there are enough. There are quite a lot of tight games in the Championship, which is quite fun. So trying to um, solve the, the the puzzle that they present, um, yeah, enjoyable. It's a brilliant slate of Championship fixtures, that's for sure. We've got uh, some of the grimmest fixtures available as I said on Twitter earlier that Wigan Luton game is best watched behind the sofa I think given their recent form same can be said for Middlesbrough Charlton to some extent so many injuries being suffered by both of those teams Fulham Bristol City is an interesting one I'm actually going to touch on that on this show and plenty of other exciting games across all three leagues Um, we had a good weekend on the odds checker picks we're doing exclusive selections for odds checker available only on their app and really surprisingly, but a happy surprise, in profit four weekends in a row now. Don't say surprisingly. I mean, we always thought it was going to happen. Yeah, but you know, no, no one, no one can win every week, right? But we have, mm. you know, we've 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 done all sorts of different things. First goal scorer bets, even had a half-time, full-time winner on the weekend, and plenty of them coming off. So that's been a nice start with odds checker. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed for more winners over the weekend. I think we'll start probably putting them up. On site, um, we'll have the Friday night game up tomorrow. We'll have the early kickoff on Saturday and Saturday three o'clock. So plenty more. And fingers crossed we can make it a perfect five. Okay, let's get into the action. Where are you going this weekend for your best bet in the EFL, your nap, George Ellick? One of the aforementioned grim games, uh, as you called it. The Luton against Wigan game. Um, uh, I cannot really imagine there are two clubs in the country who are currently at a lower ebb, really, um, at least in the championship, but there aren't. Uh, Luton's form reads pretty horrifically. They come here off the back of a 7-0 away defeat at Brentford. Last time they played at Kenilworth Road, um, they beat Charlton 2-1, but that was against a, a depleted Charlton team. And I'd go as far as saying that the scoreline doesn't really reflect the balance of play in that one. Um, they did, have, of course, put in a very, very decent performance at home to Leeds. Um, but you feel like the late drama in that game with Matty Pearson's goal being chalked off and then him scoring at the other end an own goal to, to lose them the game was was a bit of a kick. Uh, and Graham Jones's post-match comments after the Brentford game have filled me with no confidence at all about his uh, ability to get them out of this little rut. Um, and when it comes down to it, I, I mentioned how you, ha- you have tight games and you've got to try and solve it. And you look at this Luton-Wigan game and you look at the teams they're going to be out on Saturday. And I think that on paper, I think the Wigan team is quite clearly better. Um, I know that Wigan aren't performing, but you have to look at the, the areas of, of individual quality. And despite them struggling to put any kind of form together, they do have certain players who can provide that. Like Shay um, Dunkley from Set Pieces. Like Shay Dunkley from <laughs> Set Pieces, even though he needs to remember how to defend because that, that skill for a centre-back is fairly important and it's something that he's not really doing at the moment. Mm. Um, but of course, with, with Kiefer Moore up top, they've got a striker who isn't firing yet, but we know is, is good enough with Charlie Mulgrew. They've got a very capable 
kind of older heads uh, in the park. Anthony Robinson's probably been there, one of their star players this season, the young uh, left-sided player. There's enough in there. Um, Sam Morsi as well in centre midfield is, is kind of tailor-made for this kind of game, breaking up play and trying to ensure that, that we can, you know, for once, try and keep it tight. But there's no denying that Wigan's form is terrible. So I'm not here trying to say claim any different. But the team looks better. Then you look to the dugout. Paul Cook under immense pressure at the moment. And you have a feeling that if he were to lose this game, uh, that would probably spell the end of his tenure as Wigan boss. But he's much more experienced and has a hell of a lot more to his CV than Graham Jones does. And given that this is looking like last chance saloon for him, again, I'd probably lean on him. Well, I mean, I'd certainly would rather have him managing my club. And I think that they probably win the battle of the dugouts as well. We've, also, we've often talked about Wigan's poor away form. Uh, the home form at the moment is absolutely ghastly. Um, they've lost their last three in a row, conceding two, three and three. Uh, the away form isn't much better, but at least they picked up points on the road at two difficult places to go in Bristol City and Millwall uh, and came unstuck by a solitary goal against Stoke. And also the last two defeats before that were against Derby and Sheffield Wednesday were also by just the one goal. So they haven't won it away from home since uh, that ridiculous win against Leeds later on last season. But they've only lost by, by more than one goal twice against QPR and Fulham. And that, that was earlier in the season whilst picking up a point against Hull as well. So... I'd almost say, on the balance of things, this Wigan team this season, this iteration, are probably better on the road and are closer to picking up results on the road. The last game against Reading was was horrific, but they were 1-0 up with 15 minutes to go before completely capitulating. So, given the, the odds with Luton currently 7-5 to five and Wigan 15-8, to eight, I think the Wigan rank is a pretty good bet. I wouldn't say that they are the outsiders. I think they've gone to much, much tougher places to go played pretty well and come away with either a point or come just unstuck. And I think that if they put in a similar performance here against the Luton side, who I'd say lack the quality and lack the managerial analysis that they have, especially given how big a game this is, I think that my, you know, that 15 to 8 is value and that's my nap. Not a great week for Graham Jones on this podcast, I think it's fair to say. Probably fair after such a capitulation at Griffin Park last weekend, that 7-0 defeat uh, I'm going for a team to win to nil in the championship as my nap it's Leeds and it is a Yorkshire derby uh, on Saturday lunchtime it's Huddersfield against Leeds it's no secret that I'm feeling good about Leeds at the moment uh, we were very bullish about them with about a month gone in the season they had a well, a high-profile wobble. I think pretty much everything Leeds do is high-profile. I think sometimes both the good and the bad can get exaggerated uh, to a certain extent. Certainly the bad because they have such a large fa- fan base and because you know so much is governed on on clicks these days. And as we know, Leeds are the biggest draw in the championship in that regard. Um, and realistically, and we've discussed it on the podcast in the last few weeks, their biggest issue, which was uh, converting chances or failure to convert chances, was still the best, biggest issue that any team in the league have or had. And recently, they've started to to go the other way, started to get back towards a, a more normal conversion rate. Bamford in the goals a little more, although could probably still have plenty more over the last few weeks. Uh, and just generally, the last few performances as well as results, have breathed so much confidence into this Leeds team who, uh, you know, there's there, it feels like you're banging on about them sometimes, I must admit, and I don't really want to do that. But the system that they play under Bielsa is so good and elevates their level of play 
to such an extent that no other team at championship level can go toe-to-toe to them, with the possible ex- uh, exception of West Brom, who very much did that at Ellen Road uh, back in September, I think it was. Uh, the only team to uh, really hold on to the ball uh, against Leeds to actually Im- try and impose their game on them. Uh, and they did very well, despite that defeat. They, they were able to do that because they have such individual talent West Brom, especially ball-playing talent with Sawyers, with uh, Dian Garner, with Pereira, and they all played very well that night. But Leeds still got the win. Every other game they play, every other league game they play, is the opposition reacting to Leeds' strength. And the strength comes first and foremost from their system. One of the things that's going slightly under the radar, I think, about Leeds is how good they are defensively. And it is both... It's always happy when uh, results and data marry up. Um, They are the best defence in the league by some distance. They have conceded 10 goals in 19 games. Uh, Brentford, the second best defence in the league with 14 from 19. And then the next best is 18. So Sheffield Wednesday with the third best defence in the league have conceded 80% more goals than Leeds have. That shows how good they are. Very much backed up in the XG data. Um, I think it's 0.52 goals per game that they concede and the XG data has it as about 0.67. So, you know, it, it's it's not far off and it's very, very impressive. I was actually looking back through previous championship seasons going all the way back to the year 2000 because I thought there was a chance Leeds might be on, on course for a, uh, to at least get close to the record. I remember uh, Middlesbrough, I think, conceding just 31 in the 15-16 season. They didn't even win the league that year, coming second to Burnley. And I thought maybe Leeds could go close. But it turns out in uh, in 2001-2002, the same year as the Battle of Bramall Lane, which we spoke about, <laughs> West Brom came second, conceding 29 goals in 40 games. Uh, there was another season in which Preston, under Billy Davies, con- uh, Davies, conceded 30 goals in 46 games and only came fourth and didn't go up in the playoffs. So... It's unlikely that Leeds will get to that level, but you never know. The, the point is, they're so good defensively. They don't give opposition teams really anything. And they're up against a Huddersfield side who are not on particularly good form. The, the initial Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley boost and impetus, um, you know, the difference in man management and the, the energy that they brought to the club, a different way of working, which worked so well early on. Um, that's just quietened down a little bit recently. Uh, the XG data suggests that they're not creating many chances. In fact, the fewest in the championship over the last eight games. Uh, they've scored 10 in those eight, but XG would suggest they've only created 6.8 goals worth of chances. We know that Carlin Grant is someone who does score at probably a higher rate than his XG suggests, but they don't have many other attacking options. Um, this is not really a knock on Huddersfield, but I thought it was worth pointing out that attacking-wise... They're not performing particularly well at the moment. Leeds defensively, an absolute monster, an absolute beast. I think they win this game and I think they win it to nil. So that's my best bet of the weekend. 2.4 is the best price currently on odds checker. So there you go, Leeds to nil. Uh, next next one for you, George. Next best. At QPR, uh, they host Preston and I'm backing Preston to bounce back after three consecutive defeats at 21 to 10. Uh, QPR seemingly a team who don't particularly like playing at Loftus Road. Uh, they lost their last game there, 4-0 against, against Nottingham Forest. Prior to that, they drew with a very poor Middlesbrough team, 2-all. We saw them uh, on, a, on, a, on a Tuesday night game being beaten 3-1 by local rivals. Um, Brentford as well. And, you know, away from home, they put in a much better performance against Derby. 
uh, albeit scoring from a penalty in that game. Uh, they did go to a team who have been very strong at home. But I just feel like if any team here, uh, well, of the teams in the top end of the championship who are going to relish playing against this QPR team, Preston are probably one of them. Uh, we spoke a few weeks ago that Preston's run of scoring and the amount of goals they were scoring and the rate at which they were scoring them was always going to end. And that has been the case. Uh, the last uh, few weeks or the last 10 days or so, the goals have dried up. Looking at the last few games, uh, they haven't scored against Derby, Hull or West Brom and have conceded six goals. But I was not impressed, but I, I mean, they put up a much better fight against West Brom than I thought they were going to, especially given the injury problems that, that they have at the moment. Mm. Um, and, you know, this run, you don't go from being a free-scoring team to suddenly drawing a blank, a blank consistently. And I think Alex Neal is probably quite excited to be travelling to a QPR side who really struggled to keep teams at bay. Um, whether or not they have players back, I mean, Gallagher was a massive miss for them against West Brom. Whether or not they have players back for Saturday, we're, we're yet to see. But I, I just feel like the market has maybe overreacted to this to this stutter from Preston. They haven't become a poor team over the last few weeks. Um, they showed against West Brom that the whole fixture wasn't necessarily an anomaly, but that isn't their level of performance they're going to be putting in from here on in. Playing against a QPR team who've forgotten how to win and forgotten how to keep clean sheets and they're not scoring particularly freely at all. Uh, I think the Preston are, are you know, I, I, I can't imagine why you'd be back in QPR to win this game at 5-4. to four. And I think that a 21 to 10 or, or 2 to 1 Preston uh, look like a very fair price. You know, they are the only team in the whole EFL that haven't kept a clean sheet yet at QPR. Extraordinary. Absolutely. Q, Q, it'll happen now. <laughs> yeah, probably. After that, after that talk. But. Absolutely astounding. I mean, the, the, the other thing is the run that they've been on, they have dropped all the way down to 16th, which given where they were maybe two months ago or six weeks ago uh, is a fairly large drop I think it's fair to say and my next best is also uh, in the championship very champ heavy so far and it is Bristol City at Fulham I'm taking them double chance so get the draw and Bristol City win on side it's 2.3 best price which I found on odds checker and there's a few different reasons for this as always and and it kind of comes from both teams we've both watched Fulham the last two Friday nights uh, when we've been in the Sky Studio. Firstly, their game against QPR and then their game against Swansea. They won both games by two goals to one. In between that, they made pretty light work of Derby at home, 3-0. Certainly in the games that we saw, uh, I I think I can speak for you as well as myself in saying that we were not convinced necessarily by their performance across the whole game there were periods in both games where their opposition looked much the more likely to score you could definitely argue that Fulham probably fortunate to be on the winning run that they're on Um, and you know it speaks to the individual quality that they have at the top end of the pitch that's for sure because Mitrovic is just a ridiculous handful at this level and he is on course potentially to score 30 goals which I think would would reflect how much better he is than this level but regardless of that um I do think that they are still vulnerable. I don't think that they are quite at the level of Leeds, who I've just waxed lyrical about, West Brom, who we like very much as well, who have definitely, definitely merit being uh, where they are. I don't think Fulham are quite there yet. There are spells of games where defensively they look very vulnerable. And I think Bristol City are the wrong team for Fulham to be playing. And I think this is the wrong place for Fulham to be playing as well. Um, By which I mean, I think Fulham are better away from home than they are at home. 
There is a, a blueprint of sorts, which we discussed after the Hull game, which they lost 3-0. You know, a, a fairly standard way of setting up as an away team against a, a heavy possession-based team like Fulham, um, of sitting deep, of, of trying to stay very compact and organised, and also of, of trying to transition quickly and cause Fulham a problem on the counter-attack. And that can be an issue for Fulham. I think Bristol City are, are well-placed to cause that issue. Away from home, Bristol City... We've spoken about this before as well, probably better than at home. And that's because they, they seem to be better. They seem to get the better results when they're the team that doesn't have the majority of the ball. Last weekend against Huddersfield might have been down to game state to some extent, but Huddersfield had the majority of the ball and yet Bristol City were the ones creating chances almost at will. They're very, very well drilled. They're well, they're well organised. And while I think Lee Johnson would prefer them to be better uh, in possession, they can really hurt teams when they counter-attack and in, in that scenario. So the other thing is their results away from home back all of this up. This season, four wins, four draws, eight defeats. Last season, 11 wins, five draws, seven defeats. So that's an away record of 15 wins, nine draws and nine defeats in the last uh, year and a half, basically. That means double chance would have won in 24 of those of 33 of those games, about 73%. Um, I, I like their chances of getting a result here. I think that Eliasson and Brownhill down the flanks can cause a lot of problems for Brian uh, and for Adoy, uh, who don't get an awful lot of help from their wide men. Um, and I, I, I feel like they might they might bolster the midfield. They might change from four four two and put an extra body in there. But I still think whether it's Jeju or Vyman, um, that that you know they do have that goal threat and that they can, for the most part, keep Fulham at bay. So Bristol City, double chance, 2.3 away at Craven Cottage. That is my next best, uh, which leaves us one more of those before our long shots, before our bonus bets. Yeah, down to lead two now for Mansfield against Cheltenham. Um, and I mean, this is just one of those where I, just looking at the prices, if I had to price it up in my head, it would look very different with Mansfield 6-5 to five and Cheltenham 13-5. to five. Uh, Cheltenham's early season form hasn't necessarily, uh, well, it hasn't continued, um, you know, on into the season. But it just seems a little bit disrespectful to them. They're still uh, fifth in the league. They've got a goal difference of, of 13. They've got 31 points from 18 games. They are a, you know, a, a top six, top seven side. Um, last time out, they were beaten by Port Vale at home. But if you're looking at their away form, another team who we used to talk about as being a team good at home and bad away, they haven't lost away from home since the end of August, where they lost to Crawley. Six games since then, three wins and three draws. They play a Mansfield side who continue to massively underachieve. I mean, you said to me the other day that you couldn't believe that John, John Dempster was still in a job. And I think that's probably fair enough. Um, looking at recent league games, uh, they've lost three of their last five. Uh, two of those were at home against Colchester and Salford, not particularly good teams. It almost feels like this game is being priced up in reputation alone rather than anything else. You've still, got a, still haven't beaten anyone above them and they are in 15th place. Exactly. Um, so I don't think that the, the Cheltenham are necessarily playing up to the levels they were before. I do have a lot of faith in their manager, um, Mike Duff, compared to, to the Mansfield manager. Um, and just when you're kind of looking through some bets, I guess, take a lot of research and digging, some prices just kind of stand out to you. And, and I've looked into it and there isn't really much to put me off. Um, you know, the, the 13 to 5 available seems very, very big indeed to me. Um, so that's my third bet. Happy days. Cheltenham certainly got over their away hoodoo from last season as well. Um, they've picked up a fair few wins away from home this season. 
My last one of these is Rotherham, minus one against Rochdale. They're very short to win the game, as you might expect, just around 1.6. Uh, the minus one, so they need to win by two goals or more. You can get, well, 2.5 with Bet Victor, a couple of other firms around that as well. So that's where I'll be taking the plunge in League One this weekend. Uh, it starts, as it often does, with a team that I wanted to get against in Rochdale. Uh, it's fair to say that... Results have been tremendously poor uh, in, in recent weeks for Dale. Um, they were a team at the start of the season that we talked about a fair bit. They scored a few uh, eye-catching goals after heavy spells of possession. Um, they are doing an excellent job. They're still doing an excellent job bringing through young players. And they have plenty to admire. They, they performed brilliantly, of course, against uh, Manchester United. However... Almost since that day, the, her, the the league form has been horrendous. Five defeats in a row in the league. Uh, they have conceded 11 goals in that time. They have admittedly played some good teams. Oxford, Bristol Rovers, Ipswich, Coventry and Portsmouth. And they've lost to all of them. In fact, they've lost... They've played 10 of the top 11 and they've lost nine out of those 10. They drew nil-nil with Blackpool and that's the only point they've picked up against Sunderland and above. So um, it's fairly clear that Rochdale, who are 16th at the moment on 19 points from 19 games, that's about as high as I think they'll get this season. I think it's more likely they, they could get sucked into a relegation scrap. Brian Barry Murphy at the moment doesn't seem to have the answers. I think that's fair to say. And... Uh, just incapable, really, of keeping the opposition at bay. Now, this is good news for a Rotherham side who are still having quite a frustratingly patchy season and yet have quite quietly, I think, moved up into fourth place in this League One table. Now, there's a huge group of teams uh, with about three points between them from Rotherham in fourth down to Pompey in tenth. So don't read too much into the, the league position, uh, but they have started to win games with much more regularity. And uh, it's it's it's... Chance creation that kind of stands out over the last eight games. XG-wise, they're the best attacking team in League One. Um, they've got so many different options now in terms of personnel. We saw in that FA Cup replay uh, earlier on this week when they came down from 3-0 to win 4-3 that with Michael Smith up top, uh, if there is any weakness, if there's any vulnerability aerially, he will find that. But it's not just him because with... Olasunde and Ogbene down the wing, who are so quick down that right side with Vassell, with Ladapo as well, uh, with Wiles from midfield. They do have some really canny attacking players and I, and I like this Rotherham team. We know that under Paul Warren, they're generally, they have been a good uh, defensive team. They've conceded just seven goals at home this season, less than a goal a game. So we can be quite confident, I think, heading into this one against Rochdale that they will both rack up the goals and that Rochdale won't have a huge amount of answer once that begins. So um, rather a minus one for me is my last uh, next best pick, I suppose. And what was it? About 2.5. So yeah, feeling quite good about those ones. All at similar prices. Bristol City double chance, 2.3. Rotherham minus one, 2.5. And Leeds winning to nil. My nap at 2.4. Uh, what about the bonus bets, George? What have you flagged up here? Anything fun for us? Yeah, off to the Kassam Stadium. Ah, oh, um, nice. For a bit of, I guess, team news related betting here. Um, Oxford last time in the league uh, played against Southend. On that day, the three in midfield were Alex Gorin, the holding midfielder, uh, Anthony Ford, the normal winger, and James Henry, the normal winger. Um, 
And that day, I guess they got away with it um, because Southend are a pretty poor team. But there were times, especially early in the second half, where Southend threatened Oxford. And I suppose that's not necessarily a surprise when you've got four wingers on the pitch. So what if I tell you that... Uh, and they set up the same way with that midfield three against Warsaw as well. But Alex Gorin is suspended for this game. Oh. And Cameron Brannigan is not fit again. Jamie Hansen, it looks unlikely, is going to be fit to get, fit enough at least to start. Which means, unless John Messino comes into midfield, it's probably going to be Mark Sykes dropping into a midfield three and Rob Hall playing wide. Which means that Oxford could feasibly be playing with four at the back, Chris Calvin, the right back, arguably a winger anyway, and then five wingers, and then Matt Taylor. <laughs> so it, it could be a Henry, Ford, and Sykes three with Taylor, Fosu. I mean, this is all speculation, of course. He may play Massinho there. He may, Hanson may be fit. But I have a feeling this is going to be it. In which case... So what, so what are you saying? Goals? So, so I, think, I think it's fair to assume that a decent Shrewsbury team are probably going to cause Oxford some difficulty. I think they're probably a fair price at kind of four-ish to one to win the match. I think Oxford, with all that attacking talent on the pitch, will probably get on the score sheet. So just because, I mean, Alex Gorin is a fantastic holding midfielder. He's been a brilliant, brilliant signing. A lot of other players getting the plaudits who Oxford brought in in the summer, but he has been as important as any of them in terms of his interceptions, his blocking ability, his tackling ability, his energy his positional sense, that is going to be gone. I don't know who they're going to play at the base. I assume, I, mean, I don't even know. I think I Sykes, Sykes might make sense. Sykes. I mean, that is extraordinarily terrifying. <laughs> uh, you know, last seen popping up with the, on the right-hand byline, beating beating his man. Anyway, it just, it feels to me like th- this could be a bit of an oversight in the prices. And um, because it's a bonus bet, uh, Shrewsbury at 17 to two uh, to win and both teams to score is my bonus bet bonus uh, selection for the weekend even easier for you because you you just hope it doesn't win to be quite yeah. honest you'd really you'd be quite upset i think if it did in a, in a funny way um well from one sykes to the other because ross sykes of accrington stanley the gangly central defender is in my opinion going to score first this weekend when tranmere host accrington it's quite an interesting game anyway because there's only two points between the teams, Accrington and Tranmere, and Tranmere have played a game less. But certainly my opinion of the two teams and their and their status going forward is very different. does not necessarily have them particularly level in terms of quality. I think Accrington are a better side than Tranmere and I do think that come the end of the season or even come a few months or potentially even on Sunday, uh, the league table will, will reflect that in terms of points. Um, also, our great friend Mike Holden, who provides us with lovely Fox Punter data, all the sorts of XG data under the sun that you could possibly want, whether it's um, split up into the last four games, the last eight games, the last 16 games, whether it's across the whole season, home or away or first half or second half from open play and set plays. Uh, he really does help us with this betting show. And it's a great service as well. Uh, and, and set plays is the one that I look at, obviously, because I'm trying to land a bloody first goal-scoring centre-back <laughs> pick. And if I don't, then I'm going to start getting pretty upset. But at 35-1, to 1, you know, I would like to remind the faithful listeners that we are something like 16, 17 weeks in. So, you know, we're, we're still playing with house money. Uh, it's sort of. Uh, anyway, Accrington's set play XG4 is very, very high. In fact, it's the second best in League One across the season. 
And Sykes, with his size, is, well, he's certainly one of the major targets for those Accrington set pieces. So it's going to be Ross Sykes for me. I'm going to take the 35 to 1 with each way terms. You can get a bit better than that if you're not too fussed about going each way on these. But each way obviously means that if he scores any time, then you still get a payout of a third of the price on the each way portion of the bet. So that's where I'm going. Ross Sykes. Uh, Accrington centre-back, first goal scorer in that game against Tranmere. The absolute scenes when that goes in, I cannot, cannot wait for. Uh, and Mark Sykes was a big reason behind your bonus bet as well, George. I think it was Shrewsbury and to win and BTTS at the Kassam. What a big result that would be if that happened with Oxford on the second longest unbeaten streak in the land behind Liverpool, of course. Uh, just... Quite a funny, quite a funny. So Oxford fans, um, you know, last night, going out of the leasings.com trophy uh, on penalties to Exeter. And there was some talk about whether or not that means the unbeaten streak is over. But as somebody very cleverly pointed out, Oxford won seven in a row against Swindon because the penalty shooter had defeat in the fort when what used to be the checker trade obviously doesn't count. So obviously the unbeaten run continues. But also, if you lose... Seven times in a row... And it's all absolutely fine. It's, it's, not a, it's not a senior match. Stupid. It it's irrelevant. Um, even if it was, if you lose a game on penalties, then you then unbeaten streaks, I think, still count personally because you haven't lost in the, uh, in the I, actual I think, football I think match. The games just don't count. Right. So it's still seven in a row. That's all that matters. Okay. Well, a nice free uh, bit of advertising for the sponsors of that competition, which is something you were very upset about the other week yeah, on the pod. So classic Alec double standards there. Leasing leasing.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> 404 not found um yeah, guys thank you for listening to the returning betting show i hope that you enjoyed it let us know if you did on twitter at ntt20pod is a good way of getting in touch with us the same handle on instagram as well uh, we'll be posting some some pictures i'm sure from sky on friday night where we will be in the studio watching the millwall nottingham forest game and chatting about some other efl news and general talk topics and talking points um, but do follow us on those platforms please do let us know what you fancy this weekend and what you think about our selections as well because no doubt some of the stuff we've said will have you running for cover if you support teams that we've tipped up but hope for some winners hope that all goes well with everyone's weekend and we'll be back again on monday with the monday pod